Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Today, we come to the end of not just our series on the Word of God. For the last four weeks, we've been talking about rebuilding a passion for the Word of God. But most importantly today, we end the campaign that we started back in June. And we've been talking about rebuilding our lives. We've been talking that 2020 and this pandemic may have taken so much from us. But we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not going to lament our loss. That we're going to believe that there's wonderful things that God has ahead of us. Amen? And that doing that requires that we rebuild our lives. And we've talked about rebuilding four things. Do you remember what they are? For the last six months, we've been talking about that. Number one, altars. Temple. Man, look at look, look how, how good of attention you pay. Altars, temple, walls. Good one. And today, we've been talking about the word, rebuilding a passion for the word. Today, as we wrap up not just our series, but our campaign, I also want to talk to you about where we're going as a church in 2022. And God is so awesome that we didn't intentionally foresee the series ending this way, but he made it end this way. And today I want to talk to you about how not just the word of God can transform the world, but I want to talk to you about how we as a church, our vision and mission is to transform the world one person at a time. Listen, it's so easy to look at the world today and complain about how bad it is. It's so easy to look about what's, what's going on and feel defeated. But I want to tell you this morning that God can use you and can use me. And that God wants to use you and use me to transform the world that so desperately needs it. Do you believe that with me? Let's pray and then we'll jump into today's message. If you're wondering why there's no joke today, um, Manolo said plenty of them last week. So I thought uh, you would be okay with that. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. Uh, Speak to us. Lord, more than a message today. May it be a battle cry. May it really be our marching orders. May it be, Lord, fuel the lights to fire for a transformation in 2022, Lord. May it not be more information into our brain, but it may it be transformation into our heart and lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We've titled this series, Turning the Page, because we believe that in our life, there's areas and seasons where we need to turn the page. Well, I think our world needs a turn of a page. As long as I can remember, people say things are getting worse and worse and worse, and it never gets better. 
And it seems like instead of going forward, we've been going back as a, as a, as a human race, as a community in this world. And I think the world needs a turn of a page. Uh, the world needs transformation. Now listen to me. This transformation, this turning of the page will not happen by political means. It will not be the judicial system that transforms our world. It will not be any social uh, uh, program. It will not be any social approach that transforms our world. I believe that there is room for those things. But I believe that the best way to transform the world is by going about it the way Ezra went about it. And you're wondering, well, how did Ezra go about it? Well, in this series, we were looking at Ezra, and Ezra was the, was the priest. He was the religious leader. He was a scholar in the Word of God. And the Bible tells us that he was sent back to Jerusalem with a group of exiles. He was sent by the king to take them back. And when Ezra got to Jerusalem, he noticed God's people not living like God's people. Sounds familiar? Now, you might be saying, well, pastor, what's so wrong with that? A lot is wrong with that. Let me give you two big reasons. Number one, they could not keep living the same way that got them exiled in the first place. So if you ever feel like you're, you're a knucklehead, you're not the only one. Plenty of people in the Bible. They couldn't keep doing those things that got them exiled for 70 years in the first place. But most importantly... What was wrong with that was that God had chosen them to transform the world. God had chosen them so that through them, his glory could fill the world. So that through them, his goodness could be revealed. So that through them, his truth could be known. So that through them, change, good change, heaven on earth could come. But unless... Unless they lived the way God wanted them to live, then they would just be like any other group of people. There would be nothing special about them. There would be nothing transforming about them. Because if they lived like everybody else, then they were just like everybody else. And one of the problems that the people of Israel had was that they didn't have the word of God. And without the word of God to transform, to inform, to guide, to to reveal the truth to them, they would not know how God expected them to live as agents of transformation. You've got to remember, we've looked at this series, how for so many of them, when Ezra got up and first read the Bible publicly, for many of them, it was the first time ever they had heard the word of God. So Ezra went about bringing transformation by teaching the word of God. The Bible tells us that the word of God is alive and powerful. Look at what Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 tells us about Ezra. I, uh, I text uh, uh, Angel and Malady and I said, hey, if you guys ever have a, a baby or when you have a baby and if he's a boy, would you consider naming him Ezra even as a second name? Because this verse right here is powerful. And I, I told Manolo yesterday, I'm not going to have any more kids. So the, but, but I said, man, if I had another kid, I would name him Ezra. L- look at what Ezra 710 says. It says, Ezra had determined to study and obey 
the law of the Lord, check this out, and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of who? Israel. Israel. Why? Because Ezra understood that they had been chosen to transform the world, that they had been chosen to make a difference, and that they needed God's word in order to do that. And I know you're wondering, well, pastor, what does that have to do with me? That's the people of Israel. That was Ezra. My name is Nestor, and I'm not Jewish to begin with. What does that have to do with me? A lot. I would say probably even more. Because if you recall, Jesus said about you and about me that we were light and salt of the world. And I don't know if you understand when Jesus said, when he said that, but what he meant by that is that you and I are things that transform, things that change the environment that we're introduced to. When light is introduced, the room changes. When salt is introduced into food, the food changes. Light and salt make things better. And Jesus said that you and I were the salt and light of this world. So if this world is going to get better, you and I got to get active. And not just that, but do you remember what Jesus, the last commandment that Jesus gave us before he went back to the Father? Let's read it. I know some of you guys know it by memory, but let's read it. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 22. You got it? Right there in your eyes. Look at what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, who's them? His followers, the apostles, the disciples, right? Look at what he said. This is so awesome. I don't know if you had ever seen it this way. Look at what he says. All what? All what? Some of it? All authority. Where? Check this out. In heaven and on earth. What? Has been given to who? You know what that means? That means that there's nobody in heaven or on earth that can say no to Jesus. Including your mother-in-law. She may tell you no, but she can't tell Jesus no. Because all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. Now, check this out. If you had that much power, what would you use it for? Look at what Jesus used it for. Look at what he says based on the fact like, like, hey, hey, I'm in charge here. I'm number one. Look at what he tells us to do. He says, therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 20. And teaching them to what? obey everything that I have commanded you and check this out and surely I am with you what always to the very end of the age and the age hasn't ended so this commandment and this promise still stands church God wants to transform our world through you and through me And you got to know he could do that because I know you may be here this morning saying, but pastor, I haven't even gotten it myself. You may have not reached the destination, but I know you are not where you used to be. And you are not who you used to be or where you used to be because of what Jesus has done 
in your life. You know, somebody who learns, obeys, and teaches the word of God is called a disciple. A disciple is somebody who learns, obeys, and teaches the word of God. The word disciple in the times of Jesus meant pupil, a student. Let me prove that to you. Look at what John 8, 31 says. This is Jesus speaking. Look at what he says. He says, Jesus said to the people who what? So he's not talking to non-believers here. He's talking to people who believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are what? Truly my disciple. So wait a minute. Wait a minute, Steve. Is it possible to call yourself a disciple and not be a disciple? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. What are his teachings? His word. Check this out. The goal of discipleship is not information, it's transformation. You are not a disciple because you know a lot. You are a disciple when the word of God has transformed your life. In the times of Jesus, a disciple was somebody who followed a teacher, a rabbi. Not to know what the rabbi knew, but most importantly, to do and become who the rabbi was. But in our day, we've made discipleship about just believing. And Jesus said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Church, here's where I'm going with this. Discipleship is how Jesus wants to transform the world. That's why during his public ministry, he made disciples. And that's why before he ascended to heaven, he left the commandment and he said, all authority is given to me, so therefore go and make disciples disciples and if we're going to transform the world we need the word of god in other words we need to make disciples so whatever time i have left i want to spend it talking to you about discipleship and i want to talk to everybody whether you're married or single whether you're happily married or sadly married (laughs) i'm joking Uh, i want to talk to everybody everybody but especially listen to me this is for everybody so don't tune out But especially, I want to talk to us that are parents. Because I believe that that is the number one place where discipleship needs to start. It needs to start at home. Because it is the one area where we have failed. And when I say we, I'm talking about as a Christian community where we have failed the most. You know, our society today, and it's wonderful that we made a, Uh, a dedication of a baby but our society today doesn't see the family or children as a blessing in fact more and more i hear this um generation say i don't want to have kids because i don't want to bring them into this messed up world i don't want to have kids because i i i got goals and i and i got a vision and i want to get there Let me tell you something, especially to those of you that are young. If that is how you feel and think, I very respectfully say that it's because you don't understand 
the gift that children and a family are. Let me prove that to you. Let me show you one of my favorite verses about the family. Psalm 127 verses 1 through 5. Look at what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, pay attention, pay attention. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor and what? Here's what it means. Here's what it means. Unless God is at the center of our family, everything we do will not last. And sometimes we wonder why our family falls apart. Why our kids don't want to be with us. Why me and my wife don't get along. You got to go back and ask the question. Has this family, has this marriage been built by Jesus or has it been built by me and society? Unless God builds the house, we will build in vain. Here's the question. How does God build a marriage? How does God build a family? Very simple. Through his spirit and through his word. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Verse 3, look at this. This is where I want to get. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offsprings a reward from him. Children are not a mistake. That's why we believe in the sanctity of, of, of life. Children are a gift. When God thought about blessing me, he, one of the ways that he blessed me is by giving me three children. They're not an obstacle. They're not a burden. They're not so that I get old faster. They're not an impediment to his plans for me. They're part of God's blessing for me. When God wants to give you something good, one of the things that he can do is give you children. That's what the word of God says. He says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And look at verse four. It's my favorite part. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Bless is the man. Bless is the family. Bless is the family whose quiver is full of them. See, the family has been God's way God's desire, God's plan to transform the world. That's why he chose Noah as a family. That's why he chose Abraham. That's why he chose David and so on and so on. That's why the church is called God's family. Because the family was the first institution that God created. Did you know that before there was a church, there was the family? And the church has now become the family of God, the means through which God wants to transform the world. So the question now becomes, why is it that we're not transforming the world? I think we could put our finger on different things. But I think the biggest one is that we have forsaken discipleship. My favorite verse is verse 4, and it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Angel, who was the one that was giving you a hard time in the parking lot? Check this out. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children 
That means that an arrow can give me victory. An arrow can change a destiny. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know a few kings died by an arrow. Arrows are powerful. Now, this arrow in my hands is dangerous. Because I haven't been trained. I haven't been schooled. I haven't been discipled to know how to use this arrow. But if I was a warrior, an expert in war, an expert in understanding archery, well then this arrow, this arrow is dangerous. And see, here's where we're going. Ultimately, the destination of the arrow, the effectiveness of the arrow, lies in the hands in which it is wielded on. I believe that God gave me three arrows. Maisley, Kaylee, and Nathan. And I believe that they can and will transform their world. But I'm not going to leave that up to luck or good wishing. I got to become a warrior so that those arrows become arrows in the hand of a warrior and not in the hand of somebody that is going to cause more pain. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. We got to go back to discipling. Did you know that two out of three children that grow up in the church, check this out, two out of three children that grow up in the church leave the church by the time they're 19? That scares me as a dad. That scares me. Because that means that for 19 years I could be bringing them to church and once they gain their independence, they use their independence to go a different route. I'll tell you why. Because many times, many children grow up in the church, but they don't grow up in Christ. And that's the difference that discipleship makes. Did you know that studies were done where more and more youth that considered themselves Christians think, feel, and vote just like those that are not Christians? Why? Have pastors failed? Possibly. But that's not where we start. The responsibility doesn't start at church. The responsibility starts at home. I want to say this very lovingly. I am not responsible to disciple your kids. I'm not even responsible to disciple you. You know what my number one job description is according to the Bible? Equip you to serve. That's my number one job description. So, Pastor, why do we come to church? To be encouraged, to be motivated, to be guided, to reinforce what you're learning at home, what's happening at home. So we got to go back. If we're going to transform the world, we got to go back to discipleship. And I know that may seem like, oh, Pastor, that's such a big task. It may be, but I'll tell you two things. It's not impossible, and it's worth it. So I want to share three steps with you, three things that we can do, three action steps that you can do to transform the world through discipleship. Are you ready? Number one, 
to transform the world through discipleship, I must first be a disciple myself. If God is going to use my kids to transform the world because they're disciples, guess what? I got to be a disciple first. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, what you have heard, what you have heard me say in front of many people, you must teach to faithful men, then they will be able to teach others also. Parents, listen to me. The chances of your child becoming a disciple increase or decrease whether you're a disciple or not. That's how much influence you have. And let me tell you, let me tell you something. I know, I hear a lot of Christians say, well, the problem with our nation is that we're becoming more and more secular. There's not enough Christians. I don't think that's the problem. I don't think the problem is not that there's not enough Christians. I think the problem is that not enough Christians are disciples. Because Jesus changed the world with 12 of them. Can you imagine what Jesus could do with all of us? The problem is not that there's not enough Christians. The problem is that there's too many Christians that are just believers and they are not following. We want to help you. And when I say we, I'm talking about the leadership in our church. We want to help you become a disciple. That's our goal for 2022 and the coming years. We're going to do all we can. We're going we're gonna to offer classes. We're calling them faith essential classes. We're going we're gonna to teach you the word of God. We're going to teach you spiritual disciplines. We're going to teach you theology. We, we, we want to teach you these things. We're going to offer motivation. And we're going to offer tools for you to get in God's word. Because we want you to become a disciple. But listen to me. Wake up the person that's sleeping next to you. Because they got to hear this. The number one way, you ready? The number one way we, we're going to help you become a disciple. Are you ready? You ready? It's going to hurt you for some of you because you've been running from God. The number one way we're going to help you is by getting you in the life group. We want you to get in the life group. Listen to me. Listen to me. We are so serious about discipleship that very carefully through many conversation and much prayer, we have decided to get rid of our midweek service. We're not going to have any more midweek services like we used to. Instead, we are going to focus on life groups because we believe that if we need to make discipleship, the best way to do that is in groups and not in rows. So we're not going to have midweek services like we used to. We're going to have special ones. I'll tell you in just a minute. But the biggest thing that we're doing is that we're saying we're going to use our midweek. We're going to use our week to focus on discipleship. Sundays will celebrate the presence of God. We'll celebrate the name of God. But throughout the week, we want to focus on making discipleship. We're going to put all of our efforts. We're going to put our resources to the. In fact, for the last six months or even further, I believe, I think it's been more like 10 months or so, Steve, I've been working with our church leadership team and saying, what is the one thing? What is the one thing that would transform our church? What is the one thing that if we just changed it would change everything? And we came to the conclusion that discipleship is the biggest thing we can do. In fact, we've made it a wig. What is a wig, Pastor? A wildly important goal. 2022, and let me tell you something, I'm seeing this not as a one-year project. It's probably going to take us five to seven years. 
So for the next five to seven years, if you don't want to be a disciple, you probably don't want to be in Dayspring because you're going to hear me talk about that a lot. Okay? But in 2020, our goal is to get 140 of you into a discipleship relationship. Right now, we just finished our last semester. We had 76 of you. So that means half of you are not in a life group. And I want to tell you something. I'm very careful, and I hardly ever say this, but God told me to tell you, you got to get in a life group. He did. I'm not joking. I'm very careful when I say that. Wait a minute. Does God really want me in a life group? Does he want me to grow? Does he want me to be in relationship with other people? Does he want to use me to minister to others? No, I don't think he does. I think he understands that I, I am too tired after work and that I got too many shows to watch. I think God understands. He's happy with me going on Sundays. If you can't say amen, say ouch. We got a goal. That is our goal at the end of next year. So I'm coming after all of you that are not in a life group. And we need some people to step up and say, Pastor, we'll open one. I, 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 I want to open. One of the things that we want to do, that we're going to do, is that during life groups, and we're going to have them all year round, they're going to be five weeks long, five weeks long, and then we're going to have three weeks in between. So we're going to meet for five weeks, then we're going to get a rest of three weeks so that you can go to a Dodger game, do those kind of things. So we'll meet for five weeks. And then have three weeks off. We're going to have three weeks off. But we're going to have this all year round. And during our life group semesters, one of the things that we're working to do is that we want to have a couple of life groups here on Wednesday. We're going to have life groups for the youth. We're going to have life groups for young adults. We're going to have life groups for adults. I'm I'm, I'm working on getting the kids to get the World Rangers and Missionettes uh, back on, on Wednesdays so that we can all be discipled. So the discipleship can happen as a family. So our life group begins the first week of January. We're not going to waste time. We gave you November and December off. First week of January, we want to get back to life group. So one of your New Year's resolutions has got to be what? I got to become a disciple. I got to become a disciple. Amen? I see some, I see some not so happy faces, but, but, but you got to know I love you. Amen. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. Amen. All right. Number two, number two, to transform the world through discipleship. The second thing I got to do is I must make it a discipline. I got to make discipleship a discipline. It's got to be a discipline. Listen to me. Discipleship requires discipline. Do you see the word discipline in the word discipleship? It's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. Look at what Luke 6.40 says. Look at what Jesus said. He said, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will become like what? Their teacher. Do you know what your biggest obstacle is going to be to becoming a discipleship, a disciple? Discipline. Discipline. Discipleship has a prize. And the reason many people don't want to become a a disciple is because that prize of discipleship is discipline. 
Jesus said it. Look at what he said in Luke 9, 23. He said, then he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must talk about denying themselves. They must pray about taking up their cross and they must think about following me. Because that describes Christianity in our days. We do a lot of thoughts and prayers. Luke 9, 23 Whoever wants to be my disciple must. Have you ever denied yourself? You know how hard it is to deny yourself? You wake up in the morning thinking about one and one person only you. And Jesus said, you got to wake up every morning and think about me. You must deny yourselves. You must take up your cross. Following Jesus is not easy. But it's worth it. And you must what? Not just believe in me, follow me. Now, listen, I got a big warning. Here's another big warning, okay? When I talk about disciplines, I got to give you a big warning. Practicing spiritual disciplines requires the right motivation. Spiritual disciplines without the right motivation, listen to me, you're going to applaud in just a minute. Spiritual disciplines without the right motivation leads to religion and leads to legalism. When we practice spiritual things, when we come to church for the wrong motives, we become religious and we become legalistic. What should be our motivation? What is the right motivation to practice spiritual disciplines that we want to follow Jesus? That's it. Why do I read my Bible? Because I want to know Jesus. Why don't I do those things? Because Jesus didn't do them and that's not where he is. Why do I feel this way? Because that's how my master felt and that's who I want to be. Listen, you can't follow Jesus if you don't have disciplines. I'm sorry to tell you that. If you don't have spiritual disciplines in your life, you are not following. It is impossible to follow Jesus and not have disciplines. It is impossible. But here's the danger. It is possible to have disciplines and not be following Jesus. And when we have disciplines and we're not, we don't have them because we were following Jesus, we become religious and we become legalistic. And that is why many people run from Jesus. And sometimes those that we, that, that we propelled away from Jesus are our kids because we don't have the right motives. My kids don't come to church because I'm the pastor. We come to church because we need Jesus. I don't come to church because I'm perfect, but because I'm not, and I need Jesus. At the beginning of the year, we practice one big discipline. It's, It's yearly. We practice fasting. For 21 days, we fast, and we do a Daniel fast. We've uh, printed out these booklets that have information. If you've never done a fast, we want to invite you to start preparing. This year, our denomination, Foursquare, is doing a global move. So all the, all the Foursquare churches are going to be fasting at the same time. So it's not just going to be day spring. It's going to be churches in Africa, churches in Russia, churches in South America. We're all going to be fasting at the same time. We're going to begin Sunday, January 9th. 
So the second Sunday of the year, we're going to begin our fast at the end of the service. We're going to have a special time. We're going to have a special guest speaker that day. And uh, we're going to begin our fast. And we're going to meet. And we're going to fast for 21 days, three weeks. I want to encourage you. Include your kids. Masonly fast is with us. Did you know that? She does no sugars, no sweets, no snacks for 21 days. So let's practice it. Why? Oh, because that's what Christians do at the beginning of the year. No, because we want to begin the year by seeking and following Jesus. And fasting makes us sensitive to God. Amen? Amen. So you'll be joining us? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.